Yo, what is up? You have found We Like the Blazers. I am Brandon Golder. I am here running it solo on the Locker Room app. It's a brief debrief of the Blazers win over the Spurs last night. I'll do a mini little recap, and then I will talk about three things that I saw from that game that I think are going to be useful or... um, Rather, things we can take away from the game that we can use to think about the Blazers moving forward. So first, a quick recap. The Blazers beat the shorthanded San Antonio Spurs 124 to 102. The Spurs were missing a bunch of people. So this was definitely not like the Blazers beating a full strength Spurs, but still a really, really good win in that they completely crushed them uh, after the first quarter or so. Uh, A couple notable stats. Damian Lillard going for 30. Always good to see. Speaking of limiting minutes, Yusuf Nurkic only going for 21 minutes, but going for 17, 9, and 5 in those minutes. And I will talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, Norman Powell had 18, including a crucial fourth quarter push when the Blazers really had to stop on the Spurs' throats. And I will talk about that too. Blazers had a decent amount of garbage time in this game. So there aren't like you can't look at the stats and be like, oh, I'm going to take stuff away from just individual stats. But there are some things that I think will be helpful for the last couple regular season games and for the playoffs. And I will get to that in a second. But just a couple more quick recappy type of things. The Blazers now find themselves in sole possession of sixth place. They're about a half game behind the Mavs and a game and a half ahead of the Lakers. But remember, the Blazers do have that tiebreaker with the Lakers and with the Mavs which is useful it's odd and ryan and i talked about this on the full we like the blazers episode with ben golliver uh, yesterday if you haven't checked that out please scope it but if the blazers end in a three-way tie with the mavericks and lakers despite having the individual tiebreaker over both of those teams the mavs actually win that three-way tie by nature of them being the division winner that's kind of dumb, but uh, it's looking more likely that the, the Lakers are going to f- are going to fall behind a little bit, which is good news to the Blazers. And no, the Mavs don't have the toughest schedule, but the Blazers, their last four games playing the Rockets, Jazz, Suns, and Nuggets, some of those teams may be resting. So nothing is really set in stone at this point, but the Blazers are probably most likely to end somewhere between fifth and sixth and probably most likely to play either the Clippers or the Nuggets. More on that later. Uh, but for right now, I did want to get to the, just those three things that I saw from last night and what it might, might, what it might mean moving forward. A uh, quick shout out to the other person in the room. Eric, what's up, man? Uh, if you want to say anything or have any thoughts from last night, would be happy to hear from you again. I'm just trying to use this app. Um, haven't really used it a ton before. This will be turned into a podcast, so uh, don't feel obligated. But if you do want to jump in and say anything, that'd be dope. Um, so the first thing I saw from this game that made me feel very, very encouraged moving forward is seeing Nurkic as a facilitator. He looks healthy. I I don't think it can be understated. I think everybody in Blazers media and even now a little bit in, in national media are starting to understand again that when Nurkic is healthy, he is their second most important player. Doesn't mean he's their second best player, but it means he's their second most important player. So I mentioned before Nurkic in those just 21 minutes going for 17, 9, and 5. What I saw last night, it wasn't just about the five assists. That was great. 
All five of those assists came out of the high post. It's the fact that Nurkic is able to start at that high post. He can take one or two big dribbles and get to the rim. He can take a dribble and start backing people down, or he can just kind of hang out at the high post and let everybody else move around him. We saw one play in particular where he was just kind of chilling at the high post, and then Dame comes streaking and slashing in from the left wing, and, and Nurk found him at the rim. That kind of stuff, that ball movement, that that off ball movement, player moving, um, players moving off of the ball handler, is something that we really, really want to see, and I think is incredibly important to the Blazers maybe being successful in the playoffs, uh, particularly because what is the big bugaboo for the Blazers in the playoffs? What has been haunting them for years? It's when Dame gets trapped. So if you have a big guy who's used to hanging out at the high post, who's used to making screens up top, and he's able to facilitate out of that position, that may not be the answer to Dame being trapped, but it's definitely an answer, and it's very, very important again for this team moving forward. The other thing to watch for when when Nurk is facilitating, his screen assists. He is one of the best, most powerful screeners in the game. I would invite you, honestly, like at some point the last couple of games or even during the playoffs, just literally ignore anything else that's happening and watch when Nurkic sets screens. It's unreal how big of pockets of space that Yusuf Nurkic is able to create with those screens. And those are leading to screen assists, but they're also leading to screen assists and then actual assists. There was this one play where he handed the ball off to CJ, immediately screened him, and CJ got an open shot. So that's both a screen assist and an actual assist at the same time. So seeing Nurkic as a facilitator, yes, I understand. The Spurs were shorthanded. There will be teams who can match up against Nurkic a little bit better, but it's extremely, extremely encouraging to see him as a facilitator. I think that that is literally the wrinkle that will make the Blazers more dangerous in the playoffs. So that's that's the first thing I took away. The second thing I took away was seeing what Norman Powell did in the fourth quarter. So I I was watching this game and I, you know, at the end of the third quarter, the Blazers were up by 15. And in my view, being up by 15 with one quarter left is literally like right on the borderline of of putting a team away. And I was kind of thinking, uh, like the next couple minutes, if the Spurs can get this down to like single digits to like eight points, seven points, that's a lot different than if the Blazers can more or less, you know, tread water or maybe even extend their lead. Uh, And at the beginning of that fourth quarter, you saw uh, Powell literally just like bulldozing people and getting to the paint again and again and again. And look, sometimes Dame and CJ, well, oftentimes they play at a slower pace. Neither Dame nor CJ are huge, like, I want to go fast break or I just want to go downhill right away. Obviously, Dame can do that, and obviously CJ is super slippery in the mid-range, and so the effect can be kind of the same as just piercing the defense. But watching Norman Powell just take it upon himself to just plow into the paint again and again and again was really, really important. And, I I mean, it was noticeable as, as it was happening, and Norman Powell actually said after the game that he knew that that was the time that the Blazers really had to step on the Spurs' throats, and he took that upon himself. So that ability to understand where your team is 
in the course of the game and in the kind of the ebb and flow of a game and his ability to read the game like that is really, really important for this Blazers team. Norm Powell is disruptive in a really positive way. And it gives the Blazers something besides Dame and CJ. And then I would argue Nurk as a facilitator, you know how four legitimate options of people who can create stuff by themselves or for other people that, I, I mean, that is extremely valuable. And I know it's maybe a little bit overstated that, oh, well, Norm Powell has championship experience, but that kind of stuff actually really does matter. He understands how teams play deep in the playoffs. And I mean, you could argue that the Blazers do too by nature of getting to the Western Conference Finals, although they did get swept. But really what was, uh, it was just really encouraging to me that you had somebody on the team who wasn't one of your best players knowing basically time and score and knowing how important it was to put the Spurs away in that moment. It was something I was thinking at the end of the third quarter and he, he did that. And that was just awesome to see. So the last thing I noticed from this game, and this may be, I'm not trying to be like a hot take artist, but uh, it was the Blazers playing without Carmelo Anthony, who had sprained his ankle. Um, the, the the effect of that, th- there were a couple different things that came from that. One is that Anthony Simons, he played more minutes during that game than he's played in about a month. And I, I didn't add this as one of my things because I, I didn't see it so much in this game, but it, it came up a little bit. Anthony Simons is like sneakily becoming, he's just magically a good defender all of a sudden. I mean, it's wild to see. It kind of makes sense. Anthony Simons is extremely athletic. He has really good lateral mobility and defense in the NBA just takes time. And remember that Simons was super, super young coming into the draft. I mean, what is he like 21 or, or 20? He's 21 at the oldest. He's really, really young. And the last couple of months, seeing Anthony Simons get more disruptive and more impactful on defense, he had that chase down block into a wedgie tonight. I mean, that was maybe I should have made that as a bullet point was Anthony Simons. But the fact that Mello wasn't playing means that it opened up minutes for Simons. It also means that it opened up minutes for Nas Little. It opened up minutes for Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Shout out to uh, Rondé for for making the one shot that he took. It's so funny watching him shoot. uh, It was just like, I think it was just like a little um, kind of a push shot floater thing. He looks a, a little bit terrified to shoot and his shooting stats would probably justify him being terrified. But it opens up minutes for other people. Um, the reason why that's important is because I think if you watch Blazer games, you, you know this as well as I do. For all that Carmelo Anthony offers, the offense gets pretty sticky when he plays, and that just didn't happen last night, right? Like, especially when Carmelo Anthony is playing against a second unit, he expects to get the ball a certain number of times, and we can expect to see him as we, again, Ryan and I talked on the podcast last uh, yesterday about he'll just like back down, back down, back down, back down, back down, fade away, turnaround shots, super contested. Sometimes it goes in and it's like, oh, yay, Mello, you made it. And, and sometimes it doesn't. Like I, even when he's scoring points, there is something about Mello being on the floor, which I I don't think represents the best of what the Blazers can be when they are at their best. The Blazers have so many different offensive options and Carmelo Anthony, it's not that he's not trying. I think he really is trying on defense, but he is such a net negative on defense that in my view, when you have 
you know, Dame, you have CJ, you have Norm Powell, you have Nurkic, you have Robert Covington, you have Anthony Simons, you have Ennis Cantor, I think is a better offensive player than Melo in so many different respects that giving Carmelo Anthony, you know, seven, eight possessions a game to just do whatever he wants. I don't think that that, I don't think that represents the Blazers at their best. And so I'm not trying to crap on Melo. He's a you know great player. I really appreciate seeing the way that he has turned into a role player at the end of his career. I think that's dope. But yeah, I mean, I, so the Blazers playing without Melo, I thought that team looked better than what the Blazers look like when, when he is playing. It's one game sample size. I get that. But here's the bottom line, and I would love it. I mean, I know there's only a couple people in the room, but if you guys want to say anything or have a question or whatever, I'd love to see a speaker request, if not, no big deal. But my last thing on this is uh, not to take too much away from one game, but if I had to choose whether Melo played 18 minutes in the playoffs or eight, I would choose eight. And again, I'm not trying to be, you know, oh, I hate Melo, blah, blah, blah. It's just that the Blazers look substantively different and, in my view, substantively better when those possessions are going to other things. So uh, that was pretty much it for me. That's all I got. It was just a quick recap of that Spurs game and a, a couple things that I saw from that. I do see a speaker request in here from Eric Warstel. So let's get you in. Appreciate you. Uh, let's see. How do I do this? I have to push the button and let's see how this goes. Okay, get across my fingers if this works. Uh, Eric, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? Not much. Uh, yeah, what did you see from that game or if you had any thoughts about where the Blazers sit now or kind of what you're looking forward to in the last couple of games of the regular season? Um, as far as last night goes, it was pretty fun to watch. I mean, their their offense was clicking pretty damn well last night on every most facets. I mean, I know they missed a, a number of shots early. Uh, to give them what I think they had 18 offensive rebounds last night, uh, yeah. which is which is great. I mean, you're also dominating the glass. I think they had season high as 63 or 68 boards last night. Holy uh, shit! <laughs> yeah, you're right. I just saw that. That's wild. So that that part's uh, it, it's encouraging to me. Um, I also thought the you know they're a little Spurs were a little. Um, Shorthanded, as you said, but that said, this team is playing pretty, pretty good defense, uh, especially with certain lineups out there right now. Uh, and it's, I don't know, almost a complete 180 from where we were last year, so or earlier in the season. So, kind of like you said, Nurk being back is huge on both ends. Um, yeah, being able to take the ball at to the top of the key. Uh, do some high lows, run picks around him, run guys around him, uh, and then pick and roll. Like you said, he just takes up so much space. He's, I, I don't know yeah. if people, it's like people forget how big of a guy he is. Uh, I mean, he's a solid seven foot and what, 280, something like that. Yeah, he's huge. <laughs> so, yeah, to your, your point about the defense is a good one. I forgot who it was that shared it, but basically the Blazers current starting lineup is like, yeah. it has among the best defensive ratings in the NBA, which is crazy to me. Um, it was at blaze uh, at five Oh three blazer fans. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Good call. Good shout out. Um, 280 minutes so far with the uh, Dame CJ norm Rocco and Nurk and their fifth and offense at 115 and a half 
first in defense is at 102, and first in net rating at a plus 13 and a half. That is damn wow. impressive. Yeah, it's seriously, and like I, I don't think anyone is saying that we think, oh, the Blazers are now the best team in the NBA, but it, it's super encouraging, right? Like it gives you like a proof of concept type of thing. Um, I wanted to ask you this because it's something Ryan and I talked about yesterday. I wanted to get somebody else's take on it. From what you've seen from the Blazers in the last, you know, seven or eight games, um, you know, they had that awful stretch and now they've been playing much, much better. Do you feel, does this last stretch of games where they're playing better, do you feel any better or any different about what the Blazers' playoff chances might be? Like, do you think that this has changed your opinion on how deep the playoffs uh, might end up for the Blazers? Uh, Yes and no. Uh, I think it obviously gives you a much better taste in your mouth uh, than the pre, you know, April was horrendous. Uh, What, they went five, five games all all month yeah um but at the same time there's they're still going to have their deficiencies that they have shown so um i think dana Marine said during their post game show last night you know kind of wait and see what the matchup is and stuff because a lot of this is going to be based on what matchup they get in the playoffs um if they get the clippers I think it'll be a fun series. I don't know if we beat the Clippers in seven games, but if you get someone like Denver, if they can somehow get to the fifth spot, then, you know, I don't think they have enough in their backcourt to, to either stop or necessarily hang with, with Dame CJ. And then if you want to include Norman to that, uh, and I think, I think Nurk matches up pretty good against, um, Jokic as well. So, yeah, I I pretty much agree with everything you said. I mean, I I will admit that the kind of the what I thought of the theory of the Blazers at their best, uh, I just had not seen that at all, and so I was feeling pretty discouraged. And I think that yeah, like the competition hasn't been as good, but I think that we're starting to see that that the what we thought the Blazers might look like at their best, they're showing some of that, and I think that that's encouraging. I'm trying not to get like too far ahead of myself yeah 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 i I think i i was talking to my buddies yesterday it's like no we're winning it all (laughs) uh fucking get the banners ready exactly uh so yeah i I totally get what you're saying i i think part of that is just honestly it's being a blazers fan i can't get too ahead of myself i've seen it crumble too many times yep no i'm with you on that uh well cool hey thanks eric for jumping in i appreciate you heck yeah um all right. Well, I think that that's pretty much going to do it. Uh, successful test of the locker room after the first time actually recording this. And I was able to plug in my microphone into my phone, which is kind of cool. Shout out to Android. By the way, if you're using Android and you can't get the locker room app, I, I don't remember whether or not they've actually put it publicly available on the Google Play Store. But if you check out the locker room uh, Twitter account, there is a way to get to a, um, a link to get the Android app. I guess, actually, if you're listening... No, because you can, you can be listening to the pod. So, yeah, if you're listening to the pod, not on the app, and you want to get the app and you have an Android, then you should just dig around. There is a link to get it. If you need help finding it, you can check me out at GoldbergPDX. Uh, and check out our show. It's We Like the Blazers. You can check us out at welikeTheBlazers.com uh, or at 
like the Blazers on Twitter because there is a Twitter character limit and I could not get the we in there. So it's just like the Blazers on Twitter. Uh, thank you to Eric for jumping in. Appreciate you. And thank you all for listening. Uh, excited to see what the last four games of the regular season hold. Trying not to get too far out of myself, but it's kind of hard not to be excited when they're playing this well. Going to try to carry that energy forward. Uh, and until next time, thank you all. Uh, go Blazers and have a good rest of your Sunday. <laughs>